Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really stoked about today's podcast because I'm going to be joined by a screenwriter, and her name is Melissa Casera, and we're going to talk about how to do narrative storytelling and how to weave stories into your marketing. You're definitely going to love this episode. By the way, if you want to email me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? So imagine if you could use those Snapchat filters, those lenses that do augmented reality stuff to your face. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you could use those without having to use Snapchat. Well, now you can. It's called Snap Camera, and it's for the desktop. How do, how do you use it? So this is really cool, and it's easy to use. What you do is you go and download it for free. You go to snapcamera.snapchat.com, and there is a downloadable there for Windows and for Mac. You download it. You click install. It's a quick, easy install. And then you then it basically installs as another camera option inside of your system settings. Oh, really? So then, okay. yeah. So then, whatever camera app you're using, if you want to use, say, Skype, Facebook, or uh, eCam, right. any of those where it gives you the option to select different cameras, you just select Snap Camera. And from that point forward, it will use that camera. Now, inside of the Snap Camera app, before you set up Snap Camera, you can choose. If you've got a secondary, like I know for you and I, we're, when we do live video stuff or we're recording video, we're using like Logitech type things. Right. Inside of the Snap Camera, you can select that that is the camera you use first. I see. So it's a layer. Input. Yeah, yes. It's a, so, so you're it's using your as a highest go-between. quality camera first. It's acting as a go-between. So what kind of filters exactly. can it do? So this, I mean... I, I can't even list off all the different things it does, but what it does do and what it does give creative-wise is the ability to select between on this dashboard inside of this camera app all the different augmented reality, like you can have hearts over your head, you can have you know squishy face, you can have um, lots of you know the weather type things that are augmented that come on. Um, so it's really cool that like if you want to sit down and record like a video and have a bunch of different, like, you know, have your hair be on fire, like flame is coming off your heads. Now, doesn't Facebook already do some of this stuff? They do some of this, but this is uh, honestly a lot easier to do. And I mean, I've always been personally, I've always been more impressed with the snap ones because they were the first out there and they keep continue to keep. Yeah. They tend to have the best. Um, and so is everything that's available on Snapchat as far as camera filters also available through the snap camera? Is that the idea? I believe so because, and the reason I say that is because I've, I've not seen one that I couldn't remember, you know, not I've looked through it. I'm like, Oh, where's this one? I don't see any that are missing on top of that. All of the like crowd, uh, not crowd casted crowd sourced ones, people that have created them, and have them submitted to Snapchat, there's a bunch of those in there as well. So there's like, I mean, I can't even remember how many there are, but there's like 50 plus at least different options or more. The marketer inside of me is thinking, I just want to know what kind of authority am I giving Snapchat by allowing them to have an app on my computer and, and, and you know, look through my camera. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's the only thing that's yeah. going through my brain here is like, okay, are they recording all the time? Are they sending data up to the cloud? 
I mean, those are the things that are, that are going through my mind because, you know, hey, it's Snapchat and this could be some sort of an interesting data play. In answer to that, I don't know, but I would say this, maybe we just turn off our internet and use it anyway and record video without it doing that, yeah, and, you know, locally. It, or just, you know, try it out or whatever. It, yeah. it, is it branded with Snap Camera when you're live or is that? Not at all. Oh, no, wow. no branding, no anything. It's just literally a free tool. Snapchat's giving out there. I I honestly think it's a branding play for them for people to be like, hey guys, we're still cool. We came up with this first. Yeah. Use it on desktop now. Be aware of us. So <laughs> interesting. So it's not like it's a, the app has to run all the time in the background. It kind of no. it's almost like an extension, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you would just make sure that you're running it and have the dashboard up to be able to use it. And once you've got it set up, which again, it took me like not even a minute or two to have it set up and be able to select that camera inside of all the different things that I threw at it with uh, on my Mac. I did FaceTime. I did Ecamm. I did. I even checked it in Crowdcast, which we use for our Oh, you, you have the choice so. to choose to use it or not. I see. Now, what yeah. about, uh, I guess the mobile app would be the next thing, right? I mean, I, I would imagine if they can get it to take off on desktop, they're going to want people to install it on their mobile. And then it's just another camera on your mobile device. I could see that pretty interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, I mean, and you could always create these inside of the Snapchat app itself and just save it out of there if you wanted to. But yeah. I don't know. How do we find it again? What's the URL? Uh, URL is snapcamera.snapchat.com. All right, Eric. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Melissa Casera. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today I'm excited to be joined by Melissa Casera. If you don't know who Melissa is, she is a storytelling expert and screenwriter for television and movies. She also has a course called Obsessed, and it teaches businesses to create passionate audiences using story. Her podcast is called Totally Obsessed. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here because honestly, this is one of my favorite topics. And what we're going to talk about today with Melissa is how to tell better stories in our marketing. I say we start with a story. How'd you get into storytelling, Melissa? <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> um, okay, so I started in storytelling by working in PR, public relations, publicity. And my job at the time was telling stories for my clients. So I was using and leveraging the power of the media, like news media, television, magazines, newspapers, etc., and helping my clients tell stories through those mediums. Uh, my big claim to fame at the time was getting clients on Oprah and the Today Show, et cetera, wow. et cetera. <laughs> how, how long ago was that? Just so people have a little context. Oh, geez. Uh, this is going to make me feel like I've been doing this forever. I, I would say that was, it started about 15 years ago, six, 16 or 15 years so ago. So the early 2000s, basically. Yes. And that was when Oprah had like her regular show, which right. was on, I think, ABC network at the time um, before the own network came about. And so that was my job. And fortunately, I was I was really good at it. And I loved, loved, loved working with my clients. But I also loved working alongside the media. So I loved working with talk show producers and news producers and magazine editors to help them tell an amazing story using my own client as their expert source. And so 
what happened was at the time I was very successful doing this type of work and I maxed out on the number of private clients I could take on. So what started happening was entrepreneurs, small business owners started asking me to teach storytelling and teach these media grabbing methods. So I shifted my business a bit. Um, I was doing kind of double duty at first with my private clients and teaching workshops and eventually just moved solely into teaching workshops and online classes to entrepreneurs all over the globe who wanted to share their stories with clients, with the media, with the world, essentially. And then the second part of my story is that at about five years ago, I was starting to feel a bit restless and I loved working with clients. I still do today, but I wanted to tell my own stories. And uh, my husband and I at one point got one of those Airstreams, those like 27 foot silver things that look like a rocket ship. And we lived on the road and we traveled around to 46 different states. And during that time, I spent a lot of time on the road dreaming and thinking. And in that cross-country road trip, I dreamed up a TV series. And um, I figured, what the heck? Let me give it a shot. And so I wrote the script of the first episode and hired a consultant to tell me if it was any good. And that script, funny enough, went nowhere. Um, But shortly after that, I did actually get my first deal with Lifetime Network and had my first produced movie. And since then, I have another produced movie with them. I sold a TV series and I have three additional feature films in development. So that's where I'm at today. And I just love combining the narrative storytelling techniques that I use in screenwriting to grip audiences with my business audience so that their business can become basically as hot as like a Netflix drama. Are you able to mention any of the stuff that people might be familiar with um, just because we might have some listeners who have seen some of your stuff? Sure. Well, I can tell I can mention what's been produced. Uh, So I have a movie called Girl Followed, and I have a movie called Her Stolen Past. So you can find those on Lifetime Network or potentially online, and they do air in international markets as well, although I just don't know the stations that they air there. But if you poke around online, you'll certainly be able to find them. Um, Unfortunately, the other projects that I have in development are in development, which means they are locked under a very, very tight contract, and you're not allowed to talk about them until they're actually produced and ready to be put out in the world. So stay tuned. Cool. And these stories are fiction stories about people's lives. I mean, is that the gist of it? I mean, the ones that the ones that you can talk about? Yes, yes. So uh, my first movie was, they're both fiction. The first movie was um, actually a a pretty topical movie, which was about teenage sexting. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, you know, crux of the movie is that this gal kind of gets herself into hot water when she starts communicating with this guy online who claims to be 15 years old, but really is like a 26-year-old man. Mm. And, And it was really fascinating to do all the research for that movie because I actually even went undercover on one of these creepy apps that this kind of stuff happens and uh, really saw how these predators groom these teenage girls um, and eventually get to meet them. So it's it's terrible. Um, But also I felt really good making the movie because it was topical and you can get this information out there for parents and teens. And then the other movie, which is called Her Stolen Past, that was a book adaptation. So Her Stolen Past is a book and essentially uh, my job as the screenwriter is to take that book and to morph it into something that looks amazing visually on screen. So that was not my original story. I was hired to adapt that novel. Cool. Well, I mean, the good news is you have a pretty long history, at least 15 years of telling stories for others or telling others stories or making up stories. That's right. <laughs> and, and that's that's exciting because, you know, you've worked to try to pitch the media on why they ought to have your clients. You've worked directly with the media and actually successfully sold your scripts. And um, now we're going to bring it home to marketers. First question, in this day and era, which this is airing in 2019, why storytelling for marketers? Why is it so important? Talk to us about that a little bit. 
Absolutely. So I have actually have three reasons why I think this is important for marketers. So let's dig into the first one. So the first reason is that as human beings, we are psychologically wired to enjoy a good story. So stories help us to understand concepts, to understand products, to understand services. And we understand them easier through story because we can place ourselves in the shoes of whoever the main character is. Now, the main character of your story as a marketer could be your customer. So an example of that would be like maybe you're sharing your customer's journey with your product and service through a case study. Mm. Or it might be that you are sharing your own story. So example would be maybe you're selling a program or a blueprint or a book, right? And people are buying this program blueprint or book because they're inspired by your own personal story. So perhaps you went, you have like a rags to riches story where everything was going terrible and then you discovered this amazing system and then you compiled that system into some kind of program that you're selling. But you don't just talk about the program, you're going to talk about your story. You know, when things were down, how did you overcome those obstacles. And so that's what hooks people. That's what gets them excited. And that's what makes the sale. So that is my first reason. My second reason is that storytelling enables us to engage and create a deeper connection to our customers, which leads to more sales. And this is particularly relevant for social media because social media is about being social, right? (laughs) So we're not talking at people. We're not interrupting them like advertisements on television do. We're building connections and relationships. That's the crux of social media. And um, a company that I actually love that that does this piece, this engagement and deeper connection really well is Airbnb. Uh, They actually had a campaign where they used these images and short videos on social media to show a snapshot of the lives of their hosts. So the people that, you know, own homes and they're renting them out on Airbnb. And basically this campaign, which is ongoing for them, is that it rebranded their company from being a business of houses and room rentals, like a hotel, into being a business of home. So Originally, people thought Airbnb was just renting a house, right? Like, no big deal. I'm just going to rent a house instead of grabbing a hotel room. But they were able to successfully, using social media, make it about a home. A house is just a space, but a home is where you belong. And so they really brought that in through these like little snippets and stories and images, really making a house a home which I thought was super cool. And then the third reason is that storytelling makes you memorable. And I think we we all know this, but you may not even think about it in marketing terms. So it's always easier to recite a great story than to recite the features of a product or service or business. So if you think about the last time that you recommended something to someone, let's say you had like dinner at a really awesome restaurant, you're probably not going to tell the person that you're recommending the restaurant to something like, yes, their menu featured 27 dishes of varying regional cuisines, right? You're not going to say something like that. You're not going to tell them a feature of the restaurant. You're probably going to tell them a story about who you went with to the restaurant and the experience of eating that amazing dish and how great the service was. And then that person that you told the story to remembers your story, right? They remember that experience. And then that's top of mind next time they're trying to figure out where they want to eat. So it makes you very memorable. So in summary, memorable, it makes, it helps you be memorable. And what were the other two again, if you could just quickly summarize? Creates deeper in connection with your customers. Right. And it helps people understand concepts, products, and services and your business easier because it places you in the shoes of the main character. I love that. And anybody who's listening right now knows that making a deeper connection with people whether they're prospects or customers or fans is absolutely necessary in the social realm. Um, and, and trying to make sure that they can understand what we're all about, obviously is very important. And then of course, not be being top of mind, right? Being easily recalled. That's also exceptionally important. So those are all solid reasons. Let's transition into 
some types of stories that businesses could employ? Okay. So there's lots of different types of stories, and I don't want to limit your audience to a certain number. But I think for our purposes today, we'll go through two of the most common and I believe two of the most effective. Cool. So we'll start with the overcoming the monster story. So this is essentially a very, very common plot line. In its simplest form, it can be described as like good versus evil or hero versus villain. So anyone who has either watched or heard of a superhero movie before, Avengers, Aquaman, Batman, right? You're going to be very familiar with this plot line. Um, Rocky movies, that's another great example. So essentially, most of these stories are about the underdog, about how they're able to overcome some kind of monster. Now, it may seem like, well, of course that works for a superhero movie, but how does that work for business? This works really well for entrepreneurs because you can tell a story of how you overcame a certain monster. And I put the word monster in quotes because a monster can be different things. So maybe your monster that you overcame was that you escaped corporate America or you're doing something completely different than corporate America is doing by offering a very personal small business solution to a particular struggle. Maybe there's an environmental impact. So something something toxic out there is essentially the monster and perhaps you are a small organic skincare company right and you're taking on the monster of toxic ingredients by offering this amazing skincare line that you know has beautiful organic ingredients within Maybe you've overcome some kind of crisis and now you teach others how to do the same. And this is actually a really popular story for online marketers to tell and coaches to tell where their monster may have been like some bad business advice they've received or some terrible business system they were following at one point and how they personally overcame it corporate example of this, or one that most of the audience will be familiar with, at least with the brand, is uh, the company Under Armour, which is a fitness apparel line. And they created a campaign called the I Will What I Want campaign. And it starred Misty Copeland, who was sharing her struggles as a black female ballerina. And there was like this inherent message even beyond that in this campaign that ballet is often not considered a sport. So they were overcoming sort of two monsters here. One is that there's not enough diversity in ballet. Two is that the sports industry never considers ballet as part of their realm. And most athletic companies fail to focus on them. So ballet was the underdog in this advertisement in the athletic apparel world, but not anymore because Under Armour changed all of that and they did it very effectively. So that's the overcoming the monster. I want to dig in on this a little bit. Um, sure. I'm thinking about some of the monsters that my audience is facing. Um, one of them is the Facebook algorithm. And it's unquestionably the monster because the job of the Facebook algorithm is to make sure our organic free marketing messages are never seen by our fans. <laughs> and, it, right. and it is a nightmare um, situation that every marketer is facing. And, you know, um, another one, and, you know, the solution, unfortunately, you know, there's a couple different ways to do it, to solve it, but that's a, that's an unquestionable villain, you know, in the eyes of most social media marketers. And I also think about my own conference, Social Media Marketing World. I started this conference because I was sick of going to other conferences and being treated like cattle, being yes. herded from place to place with no guide, no direction. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? I wanted to be the antithesis to that. So I also see that as the monster. Is that is that a possible monster 
you know? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I hope that you are sharing that story in multiple places across social media and perhaps even on the website for your conference, because that visual that you just described is so powerful. I think we've all been there where we've walked into a conference and that can be the opening of your story, Right. right? It's like, you walk into a conference and you're herded into this this sea of people. Yeah. You don't know where you're going. No one cares about you. No one knows your name. And you know you have all of these visual details. You're you're hot, or it's too cold in there, and there's nothing to eat except for stale bagels. And you can add all these really fun. Oh, and there's signs details. all over the place that says <laughs> "Buy this, buy that." There's salespeople <laughs> saying, "Come into my booth." And before the presentation, there's a pitch. During the presentation, there's a pitch. After the presentation, there's a pitch. And in your mind, you're like, why am I here, right? That's right. And that is such a great story about how your conference is overcoming that monster. So that should absolutely be woven within all of your promotion for this because everyone can place themselves there. So just moving back to how we are wired for story, right? When I uh, was sharing the reasons, if you use that story, everyone can place themselves in the main character of that. When you're talking about that experience of one human walking through a conference like that, we've all been there. And that's so powerful and immediately makes me want to go to your conference because I'm like, wow, not that? Yes, finally, (laughs) there's something out there. Uh, So absolutely. And then to your point about Facebook, Um, or Facebook algorithm being a villain, absolutely a thousand percent. And I think it would depend on uh, your audience and how they are helping their customers. If they are helping their customers to beat the algorithm or um, stand out in the algorithm or something like that, they can certainly tell uh, visual stories about certainly how that feels when you post something on Facebook and no one sees it. Or, you know, that could be if it's not something they help their customers with, it's just something they contend with on their own. That could be like a good behind the scenes story where you're just sharing snippets of your business and your life as the business owner. And this is certainly one thing you're contending with constantly. And even if your audience isn't contending with that same thing, they can put themselves in your shoes because they're probably struggling with something. They're definitely struggling with something. So they can put themselves themselves in your shoes by figuring out like, well, what am I struggling with? Oh, I get it. I totally get how you're feeling because that's how I feel about XYZ, getting press or whatever it may be. So both of those are excellent examples of overcoming a monster. Why is this such a powerful um, plot line or story concept, the overcoming the monster, what's going on here underneath the covers, if you will, you know, like what, if we peel back the fundamentals of why in the world this works, this particular concept, what's going on? Fundamentally, everyone wants to see the good guy win Mm. (laughs) or good gal win. I see. So that's why this plot line is used so often. It's why superhero movies are billion dollar enterprises right. because at its in its simplest form, people want to see the good win. Mm. So all we're doing is we're positioning your business as the good, right? Which it is. <laughs> so it's not like you're right. making that up. Your business is the good in this world. But we have and to so- talk about the bad and that's the part most people don't want to do, right? And that's right. That's where you're saying that's where the story comes in, right? If we just talk about the good, hey, we're amazing. Hey, we're so yep. cool. But you don't actually talk about the alternative, which is bad, then you don't have the story, Right. That's right. You don't have the story. You also miss a crucial opportunity to connect because if you're only putting yourself out there as this like perfect being who knows how to do everything in the most wonderful way, well, okay, good for you. That's great. But at the same time, your customers start to have a twinge of doubt inside. And then that doubt just starts to multiply and grow because they wonder if you've never been in their shoes ever, how can you understand where they are and how can you dig them out of the hole that they're in? So 
when you don't share those stories, when you don't talk about the time that the bad guy gotcha (laughs) or whatever the conflict was, then there's no connection there. And then your messaging just fizzles out. It may work like a one hit wonder. Occasionally that can happen where like you put out something where it just positions you as this perfect being and it works, but then I guarantee next time it won't. So in order to have deeper connection and have longevity in your business and with your products and services, you have to go deeper. You have to start telling amazing stories. Awesome. So you said you had a second kind of storyline. Yes. Let's hear it. (laughs) I do. So the second story that works really well, and there's a bit, just FYI, there can be some shades of the overcoming the monster in this story as well. Sometimes they cross a bit, but there are differences. So the second type of story that I love entrepreneurs to tell is the quest story. Mm. So a quest story is all about making a heroic journey. So if you think of Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones with everyone like vying for the Iron Throne, (laughs) there's a book out called The Alchemist, which your audience may or may not be familiar with, but it's a wildly popular book. Star Wars too, right? I mean, isn't that a- Star Wars, gosh, there's so many, (laughs) so, so many quest stories that roll around Hollywood and are, you know, inherent in best-selling books. And the cool thing about quest stories is that every entrepreneur out there is on some kind of quest. You're either on a quest to be successful or a quest to do good in the world, or maybe you're on a quest to disrupt a system, right? And there's endless storytelling potential in that quest that you're on. So Quest stories are perfect for entrepreneurs because you kind of never run out of little mini stories to tell on social media. I just want to clarify that we have both marketers and entrepreneurs, and a lot of the marketers do work for another company. So for them, the quest story could be to be the hero inside of your company, or it could be the quest to ultimately rise up the ranks, couldn't it? It could be any of those things. It could be to be a hero for your client, you know, taking them on a journey or going on a journey with them to success. It can certainly be your own journey within your company, like you said. Um, There's actually a great example of that. In the advertising world, there are... Uh, there's a conference called the 3% Conference. Mm. And the crux of that conference is that even today, only 3% of creative directors in advertising are women, which is crazy. So still, like Mad Men is still happening today, essentially. And so uh, so what I love about that organization, besides the obvious of like really championing women in the workplace, in the advertising industry, is that it's all a quest story, right? It's all these individual women and their quest to rise the ranks in an agency, not only for their own career, but so that they can help the messaging that's going out in the world, right? They can bring more diversity and substance into these ad campaigns because it's just different perspectives. It's not the same perspective going into the pitch room constantly. So that's a really cool, I think, example of a quest. Um, another example is if you're familiar with the business Tom's Shoes, Yeah, I love that business. And the founder, Blake Mykoski, he essentially started the company because he witnessed the hardships that were faced by children growing up without shoes. And so he wanted to help and he created Tom's Shoes, which basically matches every pair of shoes purchased with a new pair of shoes for a child in need. It's a one-for-one type of construct. And now they've expanded beyond that, dipping into other causes and solutions. What I love about that business is that The business itself has a quest story, but also the founder has a quest story. And he's able to tell that through speaking engagements and books and on his social media. And people are completely obsessed with that brand. And they're also completely obsessed with him because they love going on this journey with him to take that construct of the one for one and bringing it into new causes and opportunities. 
it's fascinating because I actually have a little documentary series called The Journey, which we published now exclusively on YouTube because we battled the Facebook monster. <laughs> and um, it's it's a weekly docu-series. It's about seven minutes long, ongoing, you know, to be continued every week. And it's about the struggles and surprises and inspiration and a lot of the struggle, frankly, you know, of things not working like they used to work and us creatively bringing in outside experts, you know, to kind of guide us our own Obi-Wans, if you will, you know, to Mm -hmm. kind of help us along on this quest to grow our conference like 50% year over year. It's got a beginning, middle and end. And it's, it's not watched by a huge amount of people, but it is actually a quest story because like, it's pretty clear what we're trying to accomplish. You know, um, we're just trying to grow the, the event by all means necessary. And we did it, uh, last year, season one, now we're into season two. And it's really awesome when you tell these kind of stories, because in our case, people came out of the woodwork wanting to help us on our quest. Yes. It was nuts. I mean, and I don't know if you've had this kind of experience telling these kinds of stories or not, but it's pretty crazy when you put it out there And in order to have a quest, like we think of Lord of the Rings, right, as a great example, you're going to face some pretty crazy monsters. You're going to have some twists and turns where you're going to get stuck down a path you didn't expect to go down. That's all part of it, right? That is right. That's what makes the story interesting. Because if you just went from I want the ring to getting the ring, (laughs) nothing in between, then everyone's going to check out, right? That's no fun. That's no fun to watch. This is the, but there's a fascinating side effect that came out of this. Um, Our tribe became exceptionally loyal, like fanatical loyal. But other people started questioning why are you showing all these problems that you're having? that makes me question you. So let's talk about that for a second, you know, cause it's not easy for people to show their real problems that they're having, but it does make for a good story. So like, how do we sell that up the chain, if you will? So I look at it like this. We don't want to target everyone because when we do that, we're targeting no one, right. nothing sticky, right? Nothing's going to stick to them like glue or compel them in any way. So essentially storytelling is a way to draw in your most loyal customers, which at the end of the day, that's what we need to all build to have a business that lasts, a conference that goes for many years, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and to turn off the wrong people. So I always look at storytelling as this is going to get me to my core audience, the people whom I really want to serve, right? Who a brand really wants to serve. And it's also going to turn off people that the brand doesn't want to serve. It's going to be a huge headache in the end of the day. We've all had this no matter what our business is. We've all had nightmare clients, <laughs> nightmare customers. Right. We want less of those and more of the great, loyal, fantastic, fabulous people out there. The trick is we want to reach more of those loyal, fantastic people. And the way that you do that is to engage your already loyal audience with more stories. So I say, continue down the path of storytelling, improve your stories, tell more, keep going. At the end of the day, you're going to attract more of the people you're trying to attract and not just clients and customers, but opportunities. Like you were saying, there are people that come out of the woodwork and want to help. And you're going to bounce out the people that you don't want in your world, right? The people that are too much of a headache that are going to cause you struggles and problems. You want to bounce them like a nightclub bouncer. (laughs) And remember why we're doing this, right? We're doing this to develop the deeper connection, to be memorable, and to ultimately um, help them understand. I mean, like, Gosh, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan and, you know, I love watching the behind the scenes footage of how they make movies. I mean, that when I may not like the movie, but if I watch how they made it, that's an amazing thing. Like that whole adventure that goes into making movies, you know, and I might actually be a bigger evangelist for that movie because I now understand what went into making that movie. And I think that's the fascinating side of it that a lot of people forget. Like they love these kind of things. We just don't think to do them in business. I would love to transition now, uh, Melissa, into into kind of the core elements of telling a good story because we've talked about overcoming the monster. Everybody gets that. We've talked about quests. I think most people understand that. But now let's get into like the fundamentals of the uh, of good storytelling. Yes. So I'm going to break this down 
as simply as possible so that we don't get too mired in details on storytelling. So the way that I think the best way to go about this is to use the simple three-act structure when you are telling any type of story. And this particularly works well on any type of social media. So it doesn't have to be like a long-winded video that you make. It doesn't have to be just for like a long article. This can work anywhere, even in like a short Instagram, three Instagram story, let's say, right? Which is just a few seconds per story. So three-act structure. Act one, this is where you're going to set up your story. This is what we call the hook or the inciting incident, as we call it in screenwriting. But you don't have to remember that fancy term. All you want to think about is how are you going to hook the person into your piece of content, whether it's an Instagram story, a YouTube video, a blog post, a Facebook post, whatever. Okay, wait, let's pause on the hook for a second because I've learned this through the doing through the journey, okay? So uh, we used to just literally have like, um, you know, kind of a 15-second cool little thing and then we would go right into our story. And I was told by Daryl Eves, who's a, a YouTube guy, you need a hook. And I'm like, what the heck's a hook? And he said, take something from the from the latter part of the story and put it at the beginning of the story just for a couple of seconds so people have to keep watching. Is that what we're talking about when we say hook? That's definitely one way you can go about it for sure. I think what he's trying to say is get to the point earlier. And by pulling Well, it was like a preview. It was like a it was like, you know, when you watch a TV show, sometimes they might show you something that's about to happen later in the show to kind of keep you watching. That yes. that that's he called that a hook. I don't even know if that's a hook. Maybe it's not a hook, but you know, that's just what I learned. And I started doing this. I started taking perhaps the most dramatic moment, but not like, for example, I was hit by a car in one episode of the journey. And I showed just for a few seconds, the actual hitting of the car. And then that was it, you know, and then we went mm -hmm. into the thing and it's like, whoa, what the heck was that all about? And people stuck around to see what happened. Now, maybe mm -hmm. that's not part of the three act structure. Maybe that's more of like a commercial for the rest of the show. Yeah. So that's more of what I would call a teaser. Yeah. Uh, it's something we actually do in Lifetime all the time where you have like this really quick teaser at the beginning that may or may not pay off later in the story, mm. but it hooks them. So absolutely, that's a way that you can go. I find even more effective is if your hook actually communicates whatever you want people to know in this particular piece of content. So here's an example. Let's say you were to use that car crash that you just brought up, right? right. If you were to not just play the car crash, right? If it's some kind of like slow-mo video of a car crash, right? That might hook them simply because people are like, what's that? Am I watching true crime? Am I watching <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a social media video? Right. And that can be sometimes an okay teaser because people are just curious. Right. But remember at the end of the day, we want to hook in our ideal clients, right? We want to hook in the people that are going to be loyal and obsessed. So even better would be to tie that car crash in your first act into whatever the point of this piece of content is. So it might be, here's like a headline. It might be like, does your social media feel like a car crash, mm -hmm. right? So that there's some hook there. So people are like, yeah, it actually does feel like a car crash. Or does the Facebook algorithm feel like a car crash, right? Most people are probably like, oh yeah, it does. It totally does. And then there's the visual of the crash. And then you're the point of your piece of content is whatever that is. Is it a, you know, some you're marinating on the Facebook algorithm? Is it three ways to beat the Facebook algorithm? Is it some personal story about it? That is all good. That comes in act two. The point is that you want to tell them right up front what that piece of content is and hook them with that. So that way the right people are getting hooked in and you can use the car crash as, you know, a visual way to do that. I, you know, I think that's great, but you also just want to make sure that it includes something. So people know up front what they're getting into and they don't feel disappointed by the time they get to the end. Cause it's something completely different than they expected. Okay. So the first act and I know I took us down this crazy car crash trail, so we'll bring it back. The first act is, again, what is, what is that act and what is its goal? So the goal is that you want uh, people to know what to do in this piece of content, right? It could be like a specific question you want to tackle. So I'll just give like a quick example beyond the car crash that'll help demonstrate this. 
let's say that I want to create a piece of content around how I get so much writing done. This is a question I get asked all the time in real life. So my hook would be that question, right? I would right up front say, how do I get so much writing done? I'm going to share that here, right? Or I may say something like, I'm sharing the productivity technique that landed me a three movie deal, right? Again, that's a hook. So they know right up front what they're getting into here. They know that they're going to walk away from this piece of content with how I get so much writing done or with that productivity technique that landed a really amazing deal. Now, Does that make sense? Yes. You called it inciting incident. So how can you connect those that word to what you just said so I understand it? Yes. So an inciting incident is really the setup of your story. It's just a term that we use in screenwriting. I see. So it's it's essentially the same thing that that I'm talking about here with a setup or a hook. It's just what happens in that case, it would be the script for an inciting incident. So like what's going to happen that's going to spark and set up the story. I see. So okay. whatever that is, <laughs> okay. every story is different. Cool. Um, you know, in my first movie, it was that the girl was playing a game online and got this like strange message from someone complimenting her looks, right? Boom, inciting incident. Got it. And so that spurns the story from there. So so I would say for all of the listeners, just think about it as like, how are we going to hook the listener, the audience, the reader, whatever piece, the viewer, whatever your content is? Okay. One more question. Uh, in the case of, let's say, some of these more popular movies like, I don't know, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings or whatever, can you tell me what some of those inciting incidents might be or any other movie that people might be familiar with so, so they can grasp that? All of those are kind of on a quest to do something right to like capture a ring or uh, the Avengers. I just watched that Avengers movie. It wasn't that great, <laughs> but it was the one with like the infinity stones. Yeah, that was crazy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, so the, um, I think that was the last one that came out. And so like with that, it was like, if we don't um, protect these stones from Thanos, I think his name was, from getting them, then he's going to like destroy the planet. Ah, so perfect. The okay. The inciting incident is like stone protection because Thanos is coming after them and planet will be destroyed. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Got it. So it's some big, some big reason why, um, why this story is going to unfold, right? Exactly. And, okay. Perfect. So what's the second act? Okay, so the second act is just the meat of your content. This is all like the juicy stuff. This is going to be where you answer the question that you've posed or give the tips that will spurn off of whatever you promised your audience, whatever was in your hook, right? And one thing that I love to do in the meat of your content is uh, use the comedy rule of three. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to be comedic in your content. It just means that in comedy, one of the rules is that when you tell a joke, you want to tell it three different ways to make it sink in and surprise the audience. Hmm. And the three, the rule of three creates this like pleasing, persuasive rhythm that bleeds over into other types of content. It's just something we're used to even if we're not aware we're used to it. But if you've watched television in your whole life, which most people have, they're going to have this sort of wired into their brains. So when you use a rule of three, it's actually very pleasing to the mind. So I personally, to make this kind of sticky, I like to, whenever I'm creating a piece of content, come up with like three tips or takeaways for my audience. It doesn't necessarily have to be structured as like the three ways to do X, Y, Z. That doesn't need to be your headline. But you can just keep that in mind that you want to have these kind of three takeaways or three ways that you explain a certain concept to drive home the point that you're trying to make. Is there a name for this second act? Just act two. Okay. <laughs> but, no but, but this is where we introduce, this is where we introduce the most of the drama. Am I right? Right. So we're going to get into that next. Okay, perfect. So, so, um, but I wanted to first bring up kind of the rule of three because that can be fun for social media marketers Got simply it. because it can help you like take away something from this episode that like focus on the rule of three, perfect. but you also want to make sure that you have conflict right? People love drama. 
if you don't have any kind of conflict, then the story just falls flat. So here's an example. If I was telling people how I get so much writing done, right, I would be sure that in this second act, I share something about a time where I didn't get any writing done or when one of my productivity methods went haywire. If I didn't share those things, this story would be so boring, right? If I was just like, hey, I have this amazing productivity technique that I use all the time and I use it perfectly because I'm amazing. Like, boo, nobody wants to hear that, right? It's a terrible story. My audience wants to relate to me. They want to know that I've been in their shoes. And we talked about this earlier in this episode. So, Always think about where you can insert conflict in the second act, in the meat of your content, right? Make sure that it's not all about, I do this and I'm perfect. It should be, you do this and when did it go wrong, right? When did that not work out so well for you and how'd you overcome it? Perfect. And we're still in act two, is that right? Yep, but we're finished. And now we're going to go into act three, which is resolution and conclusion. And this is where basically simple, you just wrap it up. (laughs) Now, I can't tell you how many Instagram stories I watch that never have any conclusion. And I'm like left yelling, like, what happens? (laughs) Like, is that the end? Is there more? I mean, it's like when you watch an an episode finale or a series finale of a TV show and then you're like, what? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like I felt that way with Lost, the TV show. I don't know if you ever watched that. Horrible, horrible ending. That had such a controversial... ending and that was like one of my favorite shows of all time yeah me too definitely like at the end you're like what yeah so in order to avoid lost's fate in your own content make sure that you wrap it up like even a simple like one sentence or 10 second instagram story it just needs to wrap it up what do you want people to do in this conclusion, right? And this doesn't need to be, by the way, a sales pitch. So where I see this goes awry a little bit is that a lot of content marketers or social media marketers feel pressured to like make a sales pitch at the end of every single piece of content. It's cool to do that, right? Like pitching is great. We deserve to make money, but you certainly don't have to make that your pitch or your ending of every piece of content that you put out. You can create other types of endings that land and build customer loyalty and trust and engagement and lead to sales down the line. So here's an example. I recently post on my Instagram account that there are 21 days left of 2018. And I asked people, how are you going to create your own plot twist? Right. Mm. So just like any good story has like a twist. How are you going to create a twist in your business and like make something exciting happen that you didn't even expect you could do in those 21 days? And then I wrapped that up by asking people to tell me how they're going to plot twist the end of the year, right? So that was my conclusion. I didn't say, contact me for coaching to teach you how to do this. I didn't say, buy my online course where I teach you. I just said, tell me how you're going to plot twist this. And so that was how I wrapped it up so that I could create engagement, get people talking. And also I can collect customer feedback, right? I can see what people are doing with their time or what they're struggling with. So there's a lot of value there. So you can wrap it up like I did with a question, or you could simply even just say something like, Next time you're struggling with this, remember to do this and summarize the Mm. story that you just told. Like simple, right? Right, right? Or you can create a cliffhanger moment. I love cliffhanger moments. So if you know that this is not the end of your story, like if you know that you're gonna share more on that topic, then you wanna create that like next week on. Yes, 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 yes. That's awesome. You you definitely want to create those moments. And that's why I'm a huge fan of like batching content ahead of time, because it allows you um, to do that to if you want to create cliffhanger moments, if you create, let's say, like five different videos, well, then you can make a teaser at the end of each video. And that can be your conclusion next week on blah, blah, blah. Right. That's your ending. Yes. My last question for you is I would like to take the example of you writing efficiently and I would love you to kind of work through the three acts so people can understand it. Just like 
pitch it. You know what I mean? Just tell the story. Um, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'll help you if you need help, but you know, um, kind of walk us through it. Like act like you're telling us the story using the three act structure. If you feel like Mm -hmm. you can. Sure. Um, so in the first act, I would probably just open it up with, or hook them with something like, like I'd have a headline. I'll use the headline that I came up with the productivity technique that landed me a three movie deal. And I would open that something like, Um, I know how you feel when you sit down to write and you feel like the words can't come out on the page, you feel stuck, you feel like everything is just floated out the window and this writing is just never going to get done. Well, guess what? I've totally been there. I completely understand. So that was, I would hook them in some way like that, Mm. where I'm basically using their words, their terms and reflecting them back to them and saying, Hey, I've been there too. Then I'm going to dive into the second act, which is the meat of the content. And so here I would talk about my favorite technique, which is batching. So I'd say something like um, my favorite productivity technique that I discovered after a lot of trial, trial and error is batching. So batching is just like how you would bake a batch of cookies. You're not going to bake 24 individual cookies. You're going to bake a whole tray of 24 so that it's done. You can use the same technique in your writing. It's really awesome. Now, I will say that when I first started batching, things did not quite go my way. I was waiting for that. Perfect. (laughs) When I sat down with all intentions to crank out a bunch of content, I didn't realize that there are all of these things you should be doing to set up your batch time much better. And so I found myself not only disappointed and with a blank page, but I found myself beating myself up because I thought batching was going to be the technique for me and it was a total batch fail. Ooh, I love so, all those little seeds you planted that make people <laughs> want to learn what those things are. Keep going. Right. So then I would say, um, so then I discovered a couple of things that I could have done better. One is setting up the perfect batch conditions. So I was initially doing all of my writing in the middle of my house with about 10 dogs running around behind me. My husband's a dog trainer and that's super, super distracting because (sighs) noise and also pattering of feet and also cuteness. (laughs) Like I want to hug the dogs and not write. So I had to figure out what is an ideal space for me to batch within. Second thing is that I didn't go into my batch day with any type of ideas of what I was going to batch. So I sat down thinking that inspiration would hit me and inspiration did not hit. All I was thinking of was cute puppies. So what I do instead now is I create a master list of things that I feel excited to talk about, write about, share. And then when I go into my batch day, I can pluck something or several things off of that list to work on. And the third thing is that I was creating my batch day as something that I was going to power through, churn through, and using these really harsh terms and words about getting this done. That doesn't sit well with me. Now it feels like a chore. It feels like work. It doesn't feel like pleasure. And so what I discovered is that building in pleasure breaks into my batch time was key. So taking a break, stepping away from the computer every 30 to 45 minutes and doing something, even if it's like a five minute stretch or a cup of coffee or just stepping outside is so key to recentering and rejuvenating your mind so you can come back with maximum creativity. And so from there, I would just go into act three where I would wrap it up. So the wrap up could be next time you are sitting down with an intention to write a whole bunch of content all at once. I want you to keep in mind these awesome batch tips and give it a shot and let me know how it goes. Yeah. And if you want to know the other 15 that I discovered, you might want to check out my this or that, right? (laughs) That's right. Yep. So That that was killer. That brought it home. That was so awesome that you just did that on the fly. (laughs) I knew you, I knew I had faith in you. I knew you'd be able to do that, uh, to, to accomplish that little quest. Um, first of all, Melissa, this has been really amazing. I purposely went long with you because I knew this was so goldenly good. I know there's a lot more of you out there and I'd love you to tell people where they can discover more of Melissa Casera. Where, where do you want to send them? What's out there? 
I would love for you to go to my website, which is just my name, melissacassera.com. I have all kinds of fun business storytelling tips and techniques there. I have a batching guide that you can get for free. So bring in that home. Um, I also have an awesome workbook that's free there about writing an about page, which is like the ultimate story that you can tell for your business and often the number one visited page on your website. And you can also chunk down that about page into little social media bios and all kinds of fun stuff. So I would say check out my website. That's the best place to go where all of my goodness is hanging out. And why don't you spell your last name just in case somebody might type it in wrong? Yep. So it's C as in cat, A, S as in Sam, S as in Sam, E-R-A. So just melissacasera.com. Melissa, thank you uh, so much for coming on and sharing your awesome insight and wisdom. I know that I am a lot better as a result of it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun. Well, I hope you found a lot of value out of that interview. By the way, Melissa will be teaching a workshop on the three-act structure, how to tell story in business or how to better tell stories in your business. By the way, if there was anything we mentioned in today's episode and you just didn't catch it all because we did talk about a lot, you can get all the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 336. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope to be back with you next week. Um, no, I, I know I'll be back with you next week. What am I thinking? I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.